0: Salutations! And welcome to the second episode of Miserable Artists. My name is Kevin Lasamosa, and I am an actor and singer based in New York. For the second episode, I bring on Alexis Collins. She is an amazing actress and pretty much my partner in crime when it comes to acting. In this episode, we discuss our best and worst auditions, the importance of communication and articulating what you want as an artist, and dismantling the privileged system of Hollywood. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Alexis, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, how are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Um, I woke up not too long ago, so this is pretty <laughs> much the start of my day. <laughs>
1: it has been one of those mornings, honestly. I'm on the same page.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. So once again, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on as my second guest. Um, so for the people that are listening, I think it's really important to know, or for them to know, how we know each other.
1: Oh yeah, so, for sure.
0: Yeah do you have any recollection to the first time we met each other
1: oh my gosh of course i remember Um, (laughs)
0: how could we forget how
1: could we forget so we were in a class together while at pace university and um it was like some kind of communications class i honestly don't remember um, I remember it was in that weird building that, like, neither of us had ever been to before. <laughs> right.
0: Um, like, that really insulated area of pace. Yeah, so. which
1: is, like, I think it was, like, the computer science building. And we were, like, why are we here? <laughs>
0: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, we got paired together for, like, a little icebreaker activity, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, And we had to, like, tell each other, like, why we were studying communications and what we wanted to do. And we really, I feel like, just kind of hit it off and then started talking about acting. Um, Yes. So,
0: yes, exactly. So me and Alexis both went to Pace University. Um, I went to Pace after I transferred from Marymount. And uh, this class was in, I don't even remember the name of this class i don't don't
1: remember the professor or the name
0: (laughs) right i think it had something yeah it had something to do with journalism and uh, um so me and alexis were paired for an icebreaker like little challenge thing and then uh, i kind of started talking to her about the non-performing Arts acting class that I was taking as. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You, you had Larry for that?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, I sure did. I sure did.
1: <laughs> oh, Larry. What a guy.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. And uh, for all of you that are listening, uh, Alexis actually introduced me to my very first manager.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you remember <laughs> her? <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, I remember.
0: <laughs> so, for she's the sake of woman. this,
1: I just want to clarify. She's a very nice lady.
0: Yeah, she is <laughs> a very nice lady. So, for the sake of this interview, we're going to give her an alias. Yeah, um, we're going to call her Margaret. Yeah, um, and... like
1: that.
0: Yes, Margaret. And so, mm-hmm. Margaret, how how did you meet Margaret? Do you remember? Oh.
1: I do. So I had, um, I had been performing a lot as a kid because I started when I was so young and she was one of my first um, talent managers, like ever.
0: Oh uh, my gosh. I yeah. didn't know that.
1: Oh yeah. Like crazy. Like when I was like nine or 10 years old, I think I signed yeah. to her. Um, And I would come up into the city and like audition and stuff. And yeah, it, I mean, it went back ages and ages, but then eventually I um, switched to different representation and went through, you know, High school, teenage years, college, and then ended up signing back with her for a bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, I met her when I was like, probably like, yeah, nine or 10. So crazy.
0: That's crazy. So you've been auditioning since you were nine years old. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what that was like? Um, and just your general experiences navigating this industry at such a young age.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I got very lucky. I will say like my mom was super supportive. Like she wasn't a stage mom at all. didn't like force me to do anything, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, But I kind of like expressed interest in acting and she was like, okay, cool. Like she was a stay at home mom. Um, she did some like freelance work, but she was like, I have the time to take you. So like, why not? Um, I started doing theater. And I was doing theater, like, kind of locally in Pennsylvania and then some stuff in New York as well. Okay. Um, And then eventually, like, transitioned into TV and film when I was – I think when I was, like, yeah, like, probably 11.
0: Okay. Um, So, like, a little baby.
1: I was just a little baby. A little baby. (laughs) I mean, it was, like – it was crazy. Like, looking back now, it's such a weird thing to do as a kid because you don't really understand – I guess like the full gravity of like the industry. I mean, when you're a kid, you're like just going into audition rooms, being like, "Oh yeah, I get to have fun, like meet these right. people and like pretend." But um... yeah, that's
0: such an interesting point because I feel like when you're a kid, you're kind of just you just want to have fun and you don't necessarily think about, um, I guess, the gravity of it all. So yeah, definitely. A really
1: funny... I mean, honestly, I think that like. It was maybe I won't I won't say it was better to be a kid in the industry than an adult, but I think that it really prepared me for so much now that I am an adult because I didn't have all of these like pressures and like implications of like what an audition meant. Um,
0: Yeah, and it really did like set
1: me up for success now. Um, But it was it was very weird. I mean, we would drive like two hours into the city to go to an audition for like ten minutes and then turn around and head home. Um, So it was a lot, but it was definitely I'm very glad that. I did it. Um, I'm still doing it, obviously. So (laughs) I'm crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I feel like when you're a kid, there's less at stake. Um, as opposed to when you're an adult, I feel like there's so much more pressure on you to book a job because Mm
1: -hmm.
0: your survival practically relies on it. And so
1: and and everything. Yeah, for sure.
0: Because you know you have to pay the bills, and, <laughs> you gotta pay uh, the bills
1: now. I am like
0: <laughs> right, but when you are a kid, you don't have to worry about all of that stuff. You know, you are kind of just going in just to have fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was very fortunate that, like, you know, it wasn't like my parents um, needed me to like book jobs to help support them or anything. It was definitely like I wanted to do it for fun. Um, yeah. So- yeah, I think it was overall like a very good experience. Um, It taught me how to handle rejection, which is like 99.9% of the industry. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I guess I mean, overall, overall, I'd give it like an eight out of 10.
0: Right. No, but I mean, I think that's pretty good. Um, Especially I think it's also important to know you had really supportive parents. I know for a lot of children out there, they have these crazy parents that are Forcing them to go on these auditions mm-hmm. because they want their children to be the next Selena Gomez so that they can retire early and they don't yeah. have to work. You know, I
1: will never forget. I took an acting class once with um Angelette from Max Films, who was Amanda Seyfried's original acting acting coach. Oh my gosh, English and oh my God, no
0: problem.
1: <laughs> there was a boy in our acting class and she had like asked everybody to kind of go around and say why they were there and why they liked acting and I will never forget him saying yeah I don't really like acting I want to be playing lacrosse my mom is making me do this and I
0: oh so no and that poor little boy is probably scarred for life because oh my he's just God, like, i'm sure I just want to be normal
1: i feel like that may have been i remember her like pulling the mom to the side afterwards and just being like hey you know like he kind of expresses it like this isn't really like what angela was like the most amazing person she's like the nicest human being and she just like very gently was like i don't think he wants to do
0: <laughs> right no but i think that's, that's really cool that she was looking out for him because i feel like you know a lot of professionals in the industry, you know, they kind of just focus on how much money they can make off of somebody. And so yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was very cool that she was like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to your mom. And
1: oh, yeah, that. Definitely. I mean, I think his mom needed to know if she didn't. already.
0: No, right. I mean, like, what are you doing? If that's not the case? You know,
1: exactly. He's like, I just want to play lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he got to
0: I know. I really hope so. (laughs) So you've been acting at a very young age and you've been auditioning and you've been in the industry for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you recall a specific moment that made you want to be an actress, whether it was something that you saw or um, like an audition you went to?
1: Yeah, honestly, um, I kind of got into it in a weird way where I had been taking um, singing lessons, like vocal lessons. And my instructor was actually a performer and I was, I guess it was eight or nine when she urged me to go audition for my first show. And the very first show I auditioned for shocker was Annie.
0: And oh my God. But I feel like that's such a staple in America. Oh yeah, you know? right, like, right. <laughs> like every girl who's an actress, you had to, uh, you had to audition for Annie at least once.
1: Oh, everyone has auditioned for Annie. Like everybody and their brother. Has auditioned right. for Annie. But I had the worst audition and it was So terrible. I was so, I was petrified. I was like on the stage, like shaking. It was a weird audition, too, in retrospect, because they brought like multiple girls in at a time to stand on the stage and sing, which I feel like isn't really common practice anymore. Now it's like you in the room alone. Yeah. Um, but not only did I have these like random adults staring at me, it was also like these girls standing beside me. And I was like, I've never done this before. Someone's on help. Um, and I hated it. I really was so uncomfortable. I obviously did not book the part. And I just felt like I did such a terrible job. But then my instructor, um, Katie Weand, she was like, just try it again. You know, the Fulton Theater is having auditions for Oliver um it doesn't matter if you don't book it like but now you know what to do and what it's like um so just just go try and so I did and I ended up getting cast and I was an orphan child and um I think that was kind of the moment that I was like wow this is actually really fun like I loved being in a cast I loved you know connecting with so many different people I loved being on stage which is like not how I am at all now which is really funny um But yeah, I think that was definitely, that first production really solidified that like I just loved acting and I wanted to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, and I feel like you never forget your first audition or the first thing that you were cast in. Um, It's funny that you say-
1: What was yours? I want to know yours.
0: Oh, yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I also, uh, like you, my very first audition was not- Like, it was not anything special. It was actually the complete antithesis. So my very first audition, I was... It was my second year of high school. And they were holding auditions for a play. I don't even remember what it was called. Um, But my friend had texted me and she said, Hey, I'm auditioning for a play. And then I was like, Oh, okay. And then she was like, You should come. And so I did. I... When I got to the stage, I also was physically shaking. I was so nervous. No. Yeah, it was probably one of the scariest things in my entire life that I've ever done, Um, especially when you're so young and you don't know what you're doing and you're in front of somebody who's going to judge you.
1: Yeah, it's terrifying.
0: Yeah, and so I, needless to say, did not get the part, but... Um, I remember, even though it was such a terrifying experience, it was also just very gratifying in a way. Yeah. And uh, I remember loving it, despite how scared I was.
1: Oh, um, that's so good.
0: Yeah. And then the first thing that I was ever cast in—it was my second audition. It was for the spring musical. Um, I played Eugene in Greece.
1: Oh my God, no, you did not.
0: <laughs> no, I literally did. And it was, oh my, oh my God, Alexis. So in the beginning of Grease, the musical, Eugene has to give this like huge monologue, like a huge speech addressing the graduates of Out High. Uh-huh. The first time I got on stage to do my monologue, I literally messed up my lines and I had to like improv it. Oh no. um, And thankfully I remembered the cue line so that the pianist knew to like transition into the next um, scene or whatever. Oh my God. God, God. It was was probably the most terrifying experience of my life. And I remember after the the monologue or the speech, I literally ran backstage and started bawling. I I felt so ashamed and I felt so disappointed because you know like you're so young and i worked so hard in terms yeah. of like memorizing and so and it you was you want
1: to do a good job obviously like no one wants to forget their lines or like mess them up
0: yeah and it was just such a huge disappointment but i will say all of those moments i feel like i really just kind of took with me and i learned so much you know yeah
1: it's all a learning experience at the end of the day honestly
0: Yeah, and it's, like, really important to mess up sometimes because if you don't mess up, you're never going to learn.
1: So true, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you had, like, a perfect, um, like, career path where nothing went wrong, like, God, think about how, like, debilitating it would be if one day, you know, all of a sudden you make a mistake and you're like, this has never happened before. Like, at least now we're like, okay, we've, like, gone through it and, like, really (laughs) know
0: what we're doing. Honestly, it would literally be, like, a mid- or quarter-life crisis. I i can't even imagine what that would be like
1: yeah i don't i can't even i can't either thank god we don't have to do
0: (laughs) i know um so okay you were also like you've been auditioning since you were nine years old and so what was it like auditioning in college in the midst of classes and finals and you know all of those different factors and what was it like specifically auditioning with our dearly beloved Margaret.
1: <laughs> Our dearly beloved. Um, honestly, I will say, I think Pace was a really good choice for me because most of the professors were super lenient.
0: Yeah. In the sense, of,
1: like, if you communicated with them, they were totally cool. Like, if I ever had to message, like, someone and say, hey, like, I just got a last-minute audition. I'll be out of class tomorrow, but, like, we'll make up the work. Usually, they were totally okay with it. Um. I actually missed a final with one of my favorite communications professors, Adam Klein.
0: Oh and my God. Our favorite. Our favorite. Professor.
1: He's literally the best human being. I was like, Hey, I have a callback or like, a booking or something I won't be able to take the final on this day and his response was literally like oh yeah no problem like just come in the day before the day after or whatever and like take it in the comm offices and I was like okay cool so I think I went in the day before and just sat in like a corner of their office and just took this final
0: no that's really no that was very accommodating and I love Adam Klein so much I took him for so many classes I took him for propaganda, persuasive speaking, and I even had him as my internship counselor.
1: Oh, no, uh, I didn't know that. I would have oh, loved. To
0: have yeah, he was so cool. Counselor. Like he was super sweet.
1: Did he make you guys do? Um, I feel like every class he taught that they had to do like an hour walk outside without any media, so no phones, don't look at any billboards or anything. I feel like most courses that I took with him, he um he made us do that, and I just think it's so um honestly it was like a great exercise
0: yeah Thank no it know. really is and me, as a human know. being in general I mean I love him so much um but yeah I mean I'm glad that pace was very accommodating I feel like I do feel as if the communications and the film department are more chill oh, definitely. However, I feel like if you were in Lubin
1: Oh, yeah,
0: Um, (laughs) I feel like the professors are very, very strict about, you know, when you take your final. I mean, I was a marketing minor. And um, yeah, I just I can't imagine some Lubin professors were cool. But some of them were also just very like stern and austere about their deadlines and their expectations.
1: I actually have a question for you.
0: Oh, my God. Ask
1: in Lubin were people required to dress up or did they just do that
0: no okay so uh, I think mostly they dressed up for the presentations
1: okay because I always saw people walking around in suits and I was like is this like a requirement
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) no I think a lot of people dressed up for their presentations um but as opposed to like Getting dressed up to go to class. Like, absolutely not. Because honestly, if that was the case, I wouldn't have mar- minored in marketing. <laughs> Like, like there was been, no way I was going to wear a suit every day to class. Like we, were,
1: we would be like sitting in the cafe wearing like t-shirts and like jeans. Some people would walk by in suits and I was like, where are
0: you coming from? Right. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe they might be coming from like an interview or something. You yeah.
1: Know? Or like internships or something. I'm sure. I just always thought that was so funny. And I always wondered. So thought yeah. I would. thought I would check.
0: <laughs> yeah. You would literally see these people like in suits walking around and it'd just be like so cute. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Pace University. So uh, after you graduated Pace, uh, actually, before I get into that, what was your experience like with Margaret? Because, I mean, I know we talked about this and we've had similar experiences, but, you know, I would love to hear what it was like working with her, especially because you have worked with her since you were literally so young. So, you know, I would love to hear your insight on your relationship in terms of to manage her.
1: Definitely. Like, as I said before, I think she's um, a really wonderful woman. I think she, you know, is very kind, very nice. Um, I just think that for like professional working relationships, what I've learned now that i'm an adult is that you need to really be able to communicate especially for acting like with your talent manager you need to feel free to like communicate what you're thinking very openly um and i don't know if it was because i had worked with her when i was a kid and like hadn't really established that before or if it was just like not the right like vibe or like meshing um never i never really felt comfortable like you know, having like a lengthy conversation about my goals or like what I saw myself doing. Um, And ultimately, like at the end of the day too, I think I was just kind of ready for like a little bit of like a step up. You know, I worked on SVU and I thought that um, after that, you know, really big auditions would be coming my way because I felt like, okay, that's like a really solid credit. So I should be taking the next step, right? Um, And I don't think it was at any fault of her, um, but I just genuinely think that, like, I was ready for someone with like, a little bit of like a different network and a different like set of connections. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just definitely have realized that, especially for like a manager, like you just need to be able to talk. You need to be able to just like communicate about these things. And didn't I didn't really feel like I could do that. Um, yeah. So I ultimately, like, decided that was not the best.
0: Yeah, and that's such a fair thing to ask for, you know, because I feel. I think that for a lot of people who are just starting out you know they kind of just take what they can get which makes sense you know mm-hmm. um but i do feel like as you progress in the industry and as you continue to audition you really start to cultivate who you are as an actor
1: yeah and,
0: definitely. yeah and you start to understand who you are and what you want um yeah i do want to go on the record and say she was she was extremely hard working and you know, she's oh,
1: absolutely, yeah. Um, like, she fought tooth and nail to get us in like so many rooms,
0: exactly. And she's super sweet. Um, I guess my whole thing about that or my relationship with her was that I felt like you know, communication wasn't necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, just basically, what you said, it's really important to make sure you have that solid communication, just because if you guys are on different wavelengths, then it's pretty much just going to make your experience auditioning and just as a talent in general, just a very miserable experience. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that whoever you're represented by or whoever you're signed with, you should always establish that kind of open communication just about what you want and what you expect, um, because it's-
1: Yeah, and like, you definitely, you don't need to be like, I mean, they're your representative, you don't need to be best friends, like at the end of the day, like, but you, you need to be able to f- call them and feel like you can have like a conversation about things you've been thinking or like something you've been like mulling over or like, hey, like, what could I be working on? And, you know, be able to have like that open dialogue.
0: Yeah. And so uh, given that you were signed with uh
1: I am with Ingrid French. Oh
0: my God, congrats. Thank you. So while you were in college, you also interned, and even after college, you worked um, with casting directors and talent managers. Can you talk about what perspective that gave you? Um, oh, on that yeah. side of the industry.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I honestly think that that may have been like the best thing that I ever did for myself. Um, right. it I know,
0: of, I'm so jealous.
1: <laughs> you have to do it. I'm like, I tell everybody, every actor friend I have, I'm like, intern, like, just go get like an assistant position for even like six months. You learn so much. Yeah. I, um, I started off my sophomore year of Pace and I interned in casting at A.V. Kaufman's office. Mm-hmm. And, um, she had done like Life of Pi, Born Ultimatum, like so many great films and learned so much about the casting process there. Um, got to sit in on the auditions, which was really awesome. They let me audition for things sometimes, which was super, like so cool. Of them. Oh,
0: okay. Come on. Yeah. yeah
1: really nice. Um, And then from there, I ended up working for the New York International Children's Film Festival for a bit, which was super cool. I worked in like festival development. I got to see, you know, how like a film fest comes to life. Um, And then eventually ended up interning for Terry B Talent, which was formerly well. Wow, English. (laughs) I I cannot speak today. Hello. Um, Oh my God.
0: No problem. Join the club.
1: (laughs) Um, They were formerly Wilhelmina Kids and Teens um, and then had branched off and created a a separate management company. Um, And that was where I ended up working full-time after graduating. And honestly, I just learned so, so much. I had I would always get like a little bit nervous in auditions because I was like, I want to do like, you know, I want to be perfect. I want to do the best. And I think a lot of people get like stuck in that mentality of like, I need to be like, I need to just be perfect. But like at the end of the day, they're not looking for perfection. You know, they're looking for who they think fits for the role. Yeah. Um, and I just think it really helped like calm my anxieties about auditioning. It helps me understand, you know, booking and it helped me understand the audition and casting process. Yeah. Um, And I also, you know, networked with some agents while I was there. And that's how I ultimately ended up signing with Ingrid. So overall, I really do think that it, I mean, it shaped my professional career, but it also really helps me with my acting career as well.
0: Yeah. And that's such a strong perception to have.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, before, like, I just, I feel like sometimes actors are a little bit in the dark about like the business side of things, which I I feel like we've talked about before where like, it is, if you haven't been in those positions and in that seat, like you really don't know, like we kind of only see our side of things as actors, but you know, from interning, even for like what I worked at AVS like one day a week. Um, but you just learn so much, you know, you get to see the before and after of like when you're actually in the room. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, from a management perspective, it helped me realize like, Hey, you know, with Ingrid, like she's on my team. I know how to like approach her to talk about things and yeah, just overall, overall, highly recommend.
0: No, that's amazing. And I think that you bring up a good point that, you know, working and in interning, you really were able to calm your anxieties and because you had, you know, those experiences and because you mm-hmm. do know what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so that's really cool. And so that segues into my next topic, which is auditioning. <laughs> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so auditioning, uh, how are you in terms of navigating auditions? Because I know for me, it definitely took me a while just because auditioning for film and TV was a very it's a very different experience than what I was used to like in theater you know
1: yeah for sure and
0: so I do want to know how I mean yeah how do you navigate them was it challenging at first like what was your um what was your journey like in terms of having to never I'm sorry English we navigating both literally all of these <laughs> <laughs> um
1: <laughs> We we both like can't speak English. I love it. Um, no,
0: literally, it's <laughs> contagious.
1: I'm spreading it. I'm sorry. Oh my God, no <laughs> problem. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I was in a super fortunate position where I was a kid going through those kind of things. So I I learned like pretty early on like what a commercial audition was like and what you know a film and TV audition felt like and um definitely every audition is still very different because every like casting office is different um and every role is different but I think that um that just prepared me super well I will say like I don't know I guess the the preparation is really different for like commercials as opposed to like film and tv which we've talked about before um and I don't know I've always kind of been someone where like I know people that will like when they have a film and tv audition they'll take a script and they'll like write pages and pages and pages of notes for like a two-line part, which is totally fine if that's your thing. But I just feel like for me, I usually will like grab a script or like sides and like, you know, go through it, try to understand the character, try to put myself into the character, um, memorize, and then go in and just like do it as naturally as possible. Because at the end of the day, like, I think for auditioning, like I want to be giving my, you know, most natural authentic self um yeah and I think that's kind of kind of all you can do honestly.
0: yeah pretty much so I mean I'm assuming you're probably acclimated to the whole um process of it then
1: Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely yeah I feel like it's like second nature now like honestly for like film and tv stuff like I really I don't get like nervous anymore it's kind of like I just go in and like have the knowledge of like Okay, like, yeah, like, my I think I told you this before, but my mom um, would always say, like, after an audition, if I felt like it didn't go well, she'd be like, it's fine. She's like, there's another one coming right around the corner, like, on to the next. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, just let things, like, roll off my back, like, if I feel like it didn't go super well, or, like, in the way that I would have hoped, and, you know, I mean, you never know.
0: Yes, it's true. And so do you have, can you tell me, or do you remember what your worst audition was? <laughs>
1: i mean yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) can you share with our listeners
1: i'm like such a nerd i get really nervous with like musical theater stuff um i know you know because i was like prepping one time with you we were doing the sides and i was like i can't do this
0: oh Um. (laughs) my god no you guys for those of you that are listening alexis has a beautiful voice
1: (laughs) thank you (laughs) I just don't like to use it.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs)
1: Um, But I had, it's just like, it's so funny thinking back. I had a film audition for, it was going to be like a musical film about like Greek mythology. Um, And (laughs) I think I was auditioning to play with one of the Greek goddesses. And the audition was at shetler studios which i just heard is closing which is super sad oh, um, no. i
0: know so
1: sad i think because of covid and they were just like we're kind of yeah on. because like, they can't
0: yeah that yeah makes
1: um very sad but basically like shetler is a set of um various like studios and rehearsal spaces and the room that the casting directors for this had booked and this was like an in-person callback because i had already sent in um like a taped audition um so i, I like knew the role and like knew the song and everything but the room that they had booked was like kind of small and I went in and there was just a chair and then like a semicircle of all of like the directors and producers and casting and everything like kind of very close to this chair right um, and I went into you know I had to sing and I just remember I was like in the middle of singing and I was getting so nervous like I could feel my face was getting warm I was getting red and um in the middle because at the beginning they've been like you can sit or stand like whatever you want in the middle of like I was like oh I'll stand in the middle of standing and singing I was just like I'm just gonna sit <laughs> like, I just sat down in the middle of singing this song it was the most like random bizarre choice they kind of were like what like what is going on and I would just remember like I walked out afterwards and I just like was crying on the phone to my mom I was like I just bombed so hard like, oh. so hard
0: okay but I- listen it was a choice it was an it was an acting <laughs> choice you know was- what I mean
1: <laughs> It was the wrong choice, but it was a choice.
0: <laughs> but a choice nonetheless, and oh an organic God. choice because you made it on the spot. You know,
1: <laughs> you know what? It was organic.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: that definitely was the audition where I was like, okay, like I definitely want to, you know, avoid um singing roles as much as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Oh no, but I feel bad because that experience pretty much just plagued uh, you know your no like
1: listen like (laughs) i had already kind of known that like i wasn't the most comfortable singing in front of people like i i i don't know what it is i just like singing and acting are two totally different things for me um and i think that audition was the one that just made me realize like hey there's people that are like actually really comfortable doing this really want to do this Mm. um i'm just gonna leave them to that and like i'll keep to like my like straight plays films TV. like i'm good <laughs> yeah
0: no honestly singing in front of people that's a skill it really is a skill I and I give uh,
1: them so much props like broadway actors i don't know how you guys do it um great work that's all i have to say about
0: that no literally um but yeah singing is such a personal thing especially for me i mean my god it's it is really scary to sing in front of people so you know i you- don't I don't necessarily it's, think yeah. you're kind of alone in that sense of anxiety because um, singing is really personal. I don't know why, but yeah, it just it's
1: like so intimate, like randomly, yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, I remember my worst audition. We like talked about this, but oh my God. rookie! First of all, rookie mistake, amateur mistake. Um, I It was in the midst of um, graduation and my family was in town and a bunch of different things were going on. And then uh, I was called in to read for, you know, like the PSA industrial, you know, the ones. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and it was for like HIV or something. And they wanted like somebody gay. And I was like, okay, I basically have this in the bag. <laughs> um, this <is> all
1: me. <laughs> so, yes.
0: So I prep, I memorize, and then I get there And I think because there were so many different things going on and I had to move out of my dorm into my sublet, um, I got there. I sat in the infamous chair. The
1: The chair.
0: (laughs) Yes, the proverbial chair. And then (laughs) he says, like we're saying lines and then I think he gets to the second line and I literally, I kid you not, I blank and I just don't say anything.
1: Oh my God. I just like
0: look at him and they're just looking at me, expecting me to say something. And I'm like, oh my God.
1: you like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. It was
0: so bad. And they were like, oh, do you not have sides? And they had to get somebody to like from the outside, get me a side. And it was just so embarrassing. And I felt so bad because I was making a fuss and, you know i remember leaving there just feeling so defeated and also just very stressed because there were so many just different things that were happening all of That's the same
1: time. i mean that is like such a stressful situation for sure but like yeah. i feel like every actor has had a moment like that and if you say you haven't you're lying like let's be honest no, tra- absolutely
0: <laughs> honestly liars all of you <laughs> um but it is also important to remember to always, no matter how memorized you have your life, bring your sides, Like, please bring your sides just like for just to calm your anxieties and just you know, because it's extremely embarrassing. It really Oh, absolutely.
1: Is. And like, we're not saying you don't have to use your sides. You just need them with you just in case. Like, that's yeah. it.
0: <laughs> because honestly, when you get into that tiny room and they're videotaping you and they're reading your lines, like, I don't know what about the atmosphere changes. Yeah. But it just feels like something is more at stake when you enter the room. And oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And also, just You first. You first. Okay, we're so polite. Oh my god, we
1: are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, navigating auditions in general was a challenge for me, just because you know when you audition for a play or a musical, you have more time to kind of settle in, and you know, oh, yeah,
1: for sure. I've never thought about that actually.
0: Yeah, you have more time to, to settle in. You get to talk to everybody, and you know, like, you pretty much see the process unfold. But when you're auditioning for film and TV, y'all, it is so quick. <laughs> like, you don't even remember what happens in the room, because it's oh my so God. fast.
1: I feel like, like I block out sometimes. <laughs> you no,
0: know, same, same. And it's just so funny, because like, you will get your side, like, 24 hours, sometimes less than that, in advance, and you're doing all this preparation, and then you literally get there, and you're only in that room for, like, two minutes. Yeah. Or, like, maybe five, depending on how long the scene is, but, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just such a weird situation to be in, because it's so fast, yeah. and, I mean, just the way that auditions are set up in general, it's, like, you get your sides less than 24 hours in advance, you have to prep, and then you're only in there for like two to five minutes, and then you just leave, not knowing what's going to happen afterward or
1: like how it went on their end. Yeah, for sure,
0: exactly. Yeah, and it's
1: like, yeah, it's just a weirdly like artificial environment, and like, yeah. I don't know what I was going to ask, like, and tell me if you agree, like, I feel like some casting offices have, like, way better vibes than others, where when you go in, you don't feel as, like, stressed out, but some of them just feel so, like, kind of, like, cold, like, and oh it's my not. God, yes, like-
0: absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can, right? yeah, I think I had two casting directors that I auditioned for, or, like, I've auditioned in their office, and I've always felt comfortable, yeah. but there is one office that it's like the one that does all the commercials. Do you know which one I'm talking about?
1: Oh, I do.
0: (laughs) Yes, so it's, yes. Um, That one, I don't know why, but I think it's because there's so many people in the waiting room.
1: Oh, it's okay.
0: Yes, and it's literally like an open call and I'm just like, oh my God. And like you get claustrophobic and I'm like, I cannot do this right now. (laughs) I gotta go. (laughs) Exactly,
1: yeah, I don't, I mean, I give kudos to, like, offices that really do, and I don't know, I mean, it might differ for everybody, like, some people might thrive in that chaos, but, like, for me, like, I give the kudos to the offices where it's, like, I go in and, like, I don't know, it feels like more of, like, a personal human experience, because I yeah. think when you take, you know, acting, which is such, like, a human art but you put it in this like weird context of like, okay, like we're all kind of in a room. This is maybe our first time meeting each other. Now, please like bear your soul to us. It's like, it is a little uncomfortable. It's a little weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it really is. It's very anxiety inducing. And so it's like, it makes sense that people get nervous and just like the environment in general. But I will say that there are some casting directors that really go out of their way to make sure that, you know, everything is, they feel like actors feel comfortable and all that mm-hmm. stuff so kudos to them kudos yeah,
1: seriously. to them. we love them let's keep yeah. them <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, do you have like a do you have an audition where you remember where you were like yeah i nailed that
1: um i think like we've kind of talked about this before just like in casual conversation but i definitely i've had auditions that i walked away from being like Okay, cool. Like, I definitely did a really good job on that. Like, I feel like, you know, I did it the way that I wanted to do it. Um yeah. But I tried like not to get too much in my head about stuff like that, just because at the end of the day, like, I don't like I could think I did really well, but maybe like I still wasn't quite what you know they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um. But for sure, there definitely, I mean, there definitely have been auditions that I've left being like, okay, cool, like great job, but like let's move on. You know what I mean? Like I like right. to like. Like keep rolling and not like sit in things for too long, both positive yeah. and negative because I feel like especially for negative, like it can just be like super detrimental. Um, but yeah, like definitely, definitely have had some auditions where I'm like, "Good job, girl," you know.
0: Yeah. Um, what great.
1: about what about you?
0: Oh my god! So we've talked about this. Yeah. Um, so I just want you to
1: I'm tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, everyone.
0: <laughs> yes, I had there was a distinct audition, um, and so there was an audition for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was for the replacements um, because it had originally come to Broadway and their original company um, in the Broadway show, like their contracts were ending. So they needed replacements. Um, And this was when I was still signed with Margaret. Um, And so I submitted my information and uh, not thinking I would ever even get like an email back. But the very next day while I was at work, I got an email saying, we would love to have you come in, blah, blah, blah. And, and- you
1: auditioned for The Sun, right? Harry Potter's son.
0: Yeah, I auditioned for Albus Potter.
1: Okay, cool.
0: And so I literally worked, <laughs> I sat in bed and watched The Crown all day just to learn her <laughs> accent. Um, and so I went and did so much preparation for the audition because it was like two weeks away. And uh, I got there, and uh, um, I kid you not, it's one of those like very spiritual experiences where, you know, I was, I said my first line, and honestly, like it really felt like I was riding on a high. Like it literally felt like I was flying because.
1: Oh my God. It, yes,
0: yeah, because. I think the reason is because I had put in so much effort and so much work into preparing that you know it really paid off and like I like in the moment I was like holy shit like it it was like very much an out of body experience like in the best way possible
1: That's so and, cool.
0: Yeah, and it's also one of those moments where you really realize, like, why you love doing what you do. And for me, in that moment, it was like, wow, this is why I love to act. And, you know, this is why I love to perform. And this is why I love being an artist because it's really like such a spiritual experience that I cannot even encapsulate into words because you really have to experience it for yourself. Like, it's a heuristic process. And yeah, it's just one of those moments, man, that like you just do so well and you're like, yeah, I have to do this, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't book the role. (laughs) Well, uh, that
1: was their loss. Right.
0: But honestly, it was such a good experience, like just for me personally. And, you know, I know that even though I didn't book it, I still gained something from it because I was like, oh, like I can actually do this. And I'm really good at it.
1: It was like just reaffirming the fact that this is what you want to be doing and are meant to be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Aww. I love that.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to start calling you Albus. <laughs> oh my God,
0: can you imagine? Maybe I'll play him like in the movie or something. Who knows? Like
1: honestly, I think you should.
0: Yeah, never say never. <laughs> um. So uh, obviously we have been auditioning during these during the health climate of COVID-19. Um, and I just want to ask, like, how has that been for you? And, you know, like, what is it like auditioning during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, it's been slow. <laughs> um right. least. I've, <laughs> I've had, like, maybe in the past, like, I guess three months now, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I've had like a couple of voiceover auditions here and there. Um, And then I've had like a couple of self tapes. And for like the past month or so, all of the self tapes have been basically people gearing up for summer. And by that, I mean, summer camp for kids. Um, So it's been really weird. I think it's been odd to see that like traditional jobs like camp counselors, they're kind of trying to put online because obviously camps will not uh, most likely not be open um, yeah, um... for kids to go to. So they're trying to like find, you know, ways to occupy them. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been really odd. And I I know the whole industry was kind of like on a standstill. Um, I think they're just now getting back into doing some print shoots, which is good because that's like a nice little sign of like, Hey, like things are reopening. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just been so weird. This whole, like, coronavirus for basically every industry, like, just canceled so much and just, like, put so many things on the back burner. Um,
0: yeah. So um, yeah. so me and Alexis. So a lot of casting directors have been posting open calls. Um, oh, yeah. Just, yeah, just to, you know, get to know new or up-and-coming talent, which I think has been so – which I think is an amazing effort in terms of diversifying their roster, um and uh, i think it's also just very important just because i feel like i mean i've talked to you about this before but i mean my personal attitudes towards some casting directors can be i think that some of them can be very elitist a little bit because Mm -hmm. some of them only really want to work with represented or I, i guess not even just represented but actors from you know like the big five agencies, like CAA, UTA, WME, ICU. Um, And so I think that I really commend a lot of the casting directors who are going out of their way to, you know, open that door. Oh, definitely. Um,
1: And we were seeing, I mean, there were a decent number of offices that were doing these open calls too. Oh my God, Freeform and their whole site broke. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: Okay, so you guys, um, (laughs) I so Freeform held this open call, Um, and, uh, it was such a hassle (laughs) trying to get my materials in because when I first tried to submit my information, um, Margaret had created an account on my behalf and I literally didn't even know. And so I had to email the support team and you know, Freeform ended up extending the deadline and like the site crash. And it was just all of this drama conflama, And I was like, Oh, mama, (laughs) like, I can't, you know, like, it was just a lot.
1: Yeah, that was I mean, that was crazy. And I Ingrid submitted for me on that. And I was like, I have no idea if they'll even be able to get it in because I think I had sent it over to them on like that thursday night but i think that's when the site crashed because like everybody was submitting their tapes yeah they had to extend it until like that like tuesday
0: that that whole situation was crazy but honestly props to freeform for genuinely trying you know and And, like
1: trying to get everyone's in yeah for sure
0: yeah because they could have easily been like you know what this is way too complicated but they were just like no like well just let's just open it up for everybody and i think a lot of people should have that attitude when it comes to you know being open to actors just because you know I mean maybe this is just my opinion but I don't necessarily think that every talented actor is represented by CAA or no so true like WME or UCI you know
1: yeah no it's so true I mean there's so many talented actors that like don't have representation or like you know, didn't have those connections or haven't, like, established those connections yet um, to get into those positions. And it is, like, it's definitely... um, It can be a little disheartening, you know, thinking about the fact that, like, there are really awesome projects out there that, like, you and I, and I'm sure, like, so many other people want to be working on. Yeah. But you kind of can't even get, you know, in the room.
0: So we had to take a quick break because there was a car alarm ringing outside of my window. Um, But that's just New York for you. So... (laughs) Yeah, so I just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get that maybe it might not even be their choice just to work with represented talent, you know? It's probably because, like, the higher-ups are telling them, okay, you can only audition, like, actors from CAA or UTA. Like, they might just be following orders, but I don't know. I just feel like Hollywood is... The whole system is just predicated on privilege and... um yeah just uh, like it's predicated on privilege and opportunity and you know a lot of actors don't necessarily have that privilege to be represented by those big agencies you know what I mean
1: yeah for sure I definitely you know I give so many props and kudos to like independent casting directors that aren't like you know because CBS obviously has like their casting office and everything but like with like working for AV you know she was always willing to take general meetings and like For Life of Pi found like a completely unknown kid from, I I think he was from India. I don't want to misquote that. But she was willing to like take those risks because she saw the creative value in that.
0: Yes. Um, Honestly, I give mad props to the casting directors of Euphoria.
1: Oh yeah! Because
0: uh, let me tell you, they were literally on the streets of Soho just asking people to come in and audition.
1: Oh my god.
0: Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't. I wish I would have been in Soho.
0: (laughs) I know, right? Um, But yeah, they were literally just on the streets of Soho looking for people to cast for certain roles. And I'm just like, I mean, I wish, obviously I know that every casting director is different and not... Everyone is willing to, you know, put in that work. But I have so much props to give to them because, like, they were even, they were really just on the street asking for people to read.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it paid off, you know? Yeah,
0: that show was amazing.
1: Those, uh, yeah, those kind of, like, creative risks, I guess, that casting directors can take truly do pay off in the end. Which I think just goes to show that, like, Sometimes the current model is not the best model.
0: Honestly, the current model for casting, it just doesn't really benefit. I'm just going to say it out loud. Like it doesn't benefit actors of color and people of different sexual orientations and gender identity. Because, I mean, if you look at how the system is laid out, it's like, okay, well, if you let's say there's a movie that's happening at Warner Brothers and they work with the casting director. They're mainly just going to work with, you know, the top agencies first Mm -hmm. and, you know, like try to find their talent pool within their roster. Um, But I just kind of feel like, well, you're literally eliminating like a bunch of people who, you know, who may or may not qualify for the role. You know what I mean? And I just kind of feel like, having an agent is a privilege because most people who have agents, they are hailing from, you know, an expensive theater program where, you know, they could afford to go to that specific university. And even theater programs nowadays are very, uh, I don't know, like there's some racial bias in there. And I just think it's really important that if they really want to solve this issue about diversity and, if they really want to keep talking about it, they have to completely dismantle the system so that the door is open for everyone, you know, for everyone to be given that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that there's so many things with our system that are outdated and are just like kind of leftovers from the studio system that have just, you know, perpetuated,
0: and yeah. in our
1: current climate, like they just don't work, you know? They're just like yeah. again perpetuating, okay, like what why does every lead character need to be white? You know what I mean? Well, at the end of the day, it's because there's too many white writers. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And also are given- there are a
0: lot of there are a lot of white producers and white um studio executives.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. And like a lot of um you know creatives that are signed to these big agencies are like predominantly white, so I think that it really just needs to i mean we need to change the industry from like the inside out for sure, yeah,
0: um, and we also talked about this. I've never auditioned for a um I've never auditioned for a casting director that was a person of color like every yeah. casting director I've auditioned so for crazy. Was
1: crazy. i I honestly we yeah, we talked about this like the other day and I was thinking about it, and I was like, no, I literally haven't either,
0: yeah. And it's crazy because you don't think about those things, but like those things are essentially kind of what dictate the system, you know? And I think it's really important not just to have actors of color on screen and, you know, different sexual orientations and gender identity, but it's important to kind of have them you know, in higher-up positions. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they're not in higher-up positions is because the entry-level position for an entertainment job, I mean, those salaries are not livable. Oh, my God.
1: I could go on such a long rant about this. (laughs) No, like,
0: literally, there's salaries... Their salaries are not livable. The starting salary is like $25,000 a year, which is like absolutely insane and should be illegal.
1: Yeah. Well, Um, you're just like perpetuating the whole fact that like, okay, especially in New York, which is so expensive. I'm uh, sorry, but you frankly can't live off of $25,000 unless you have another source of income. Right. And a lot of people who are working as assistants don't have the time for that because you're working such long hours. So, yeah. okay, you're basically saying that in order for someone to work in this position, like someone else needs to be able to help them with the bills, you know? Exactly,
0: you have to have other sources of income. And for the people that can work these jobs and they have those sources of income or the additional ones, are not people of color.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they're mostly and predominantly white. And so when you have mostly white entry-level, entry-level positions in entertainment industries, and they ascend, like they have that privilege and that opportunity to ascend into higher up positions like studio executives and Mm -hmm. producers and different things like that. Whereas because the wages are so low, you are literally keeping people of color out um, of the system and so- I mean, the moral of the story is the whole system just needs to be dismantled, burned to the ground, and just a new foundation has to be built because I just feel like I'm so tired of this word lack of diversity. It's not lack of diversity. It's just pure racism because of a system that intentionally keeps people out. And I just feel like, I mean, I think you know, people are finally having that conversation. Um, But I mean, this is something that should have been addressed. This is a conversation I feel like that should have happened like literally in the 90s.
1: Yeah, like ages ago. But I mean, it's weird, too, because there have been like, I was talking once with I think like an acting coach about this, or it may have even been um, when I was working in talent management. But there have been these like, essentially cycles like there was the big push like a couple years ago for um you know diversity in film and so what they did was they put out all of these roles for ethnically ambiguous which like we've talked about this before I frankly think that it's not really you know kosher I guess to like just say okay well if you look the part you can play it because again you're still allowing for like you know someone who's white but could pass as a person of color to take that role
0: Um, yeah it's like it allows for blind spots for like whitewashing
1: and I'm and I'm not saying and like I know like we've had this conversation like it does benefit um people of color because now there are more roles out there for them love that Mm -hmm. however I do think that you know we do need to get specific and that was the big like issue with Aladdin the live action film because they tried to cast someone that wasn't like the correct race and people are like no no like this is unacceptable you know yeah plenty of actors out there that can play this role like choose one that is actually that race
0: yeah i mean i completely completely agree you really have to specifically target those people um because if you don't and if you just kind of like lump everyone together you know that is just you're just asking for bias right there.
1: Well, I mean, the difference between saying like all lives matter and black lives matter. You're basically saying like, oh yeah, like any person of color could play this as like, as opposed to like, okay, this is specifically a role for a black person, or this is a specifically specifically a role for someone of Middle Eastern descent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that, um, and I I mean, that's basically like, I was going to say, like, I hope that this push and like this reform right now, moves into the entertainment sphere as well. Because I think that there have been, you know, there's been progress made and there've been mm-hmm. more roles, of course, in the past few years than there like really have ever been for people of color. Um yeah. But I just think that there's still so much work that needs to be done. And I, I hope that this um, kind of incites that change.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, it starts from the top. It really does start so from true. the top because they're the ones that make the decisions. They're the mm-hmm. ones that decide projects gets if a project gets greenlit and you know I mean I feel like and I there are so many writers of color who you know they send in their scripts for pilot season and then they just get continually rejected mm-hmm. and it really just start it really just oh my god English this is contagious <laughs> It's this contagious.
1: whole episode should be called the one where we can't speak English.
0: <laughs> exactly. A pan, it's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. Um, <laughs> so yes, it really does start from the top. Um, and also I just want to say what really irritates me is when there is a conversation about who gets to play what. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of white actors who are like, well, it should just be about talent, and no, that's it. it. Should not. And I'm right. What? And I'm just like you, and they probably mean well or whatever, right? And I <laughs> do think, they, if,
1: like, okay, but do they?
0: Right, probably not. But you know, for the benefit of the doubt. But when they say, "Oh, it should just be based on talent, and that's it." It's like, well, you have the privilege and you have the opportunity to say something like that Mm -hmm. because you've never been judged on anything else but your talent because you are literally white, straight and cisgender identifying. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're talking to a person of color, you know, that the fact their skin color and their ethnicity and their culture, it's going to come into play, you know, when they're thinking about casting somebody of like for a specific role so you know you can say that because you've never been judged on anything but anything else but your talent exactly but for people of color for people who are gay for people that are trans all of that comes into the mix when it comes to deciding you know who should play what and quite frankly i feel like it's also just really rude because you're also insinuating that you know people of color or gay people or trans people are not talented actors it's mm-hmm. like no like they're talented it's just you've had more opportunities so you just genuinely don't know what it's like to have any kind of bias held against you for something that you can't even control
1: yeah no i mean i completely agree with you like i completely agree
0: yeah so anyways <laughs> let's end on a more lighter note Oh, I love Um, that
1: note. I'm like, inclusion in the industry, please. Can we please? No, because it's something,
0: honestly, it is something that I fiercely advocate for. And it's just so crazy to me because Hollywood keeps pretending like they don't know what the problem is. It's like, no, you are the problem. Like, you, like, the system, like, what you're used to doing and the attitude that you have, that is the problem. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you need to. Fix. They always.
1: Yeah. And there's like not enough individuals within those positions of power that recognize that and like try to make changes, which I'm sorry, but if you're not actively trying to change something right now, like you're complicit, you know?
0: absolutely and they continue and because they're not willing to change their system they continue to perpetuate the system that keeps people out mm-hmm. and so it's just like i'm so tired of hollywood and the industry being like we don't know what to do and it's just like <laughs> well no oh, you, how, know you, <laughs> like, you know what you do. you know what you want to do you just want to protect the system mm-hmm. that maintains your power and um your threshold into that hierarchy well we've like, talked
1: about it before too and like even if people use money as an excuse okay so say like networks are like oh well you know it just we wouldn't make enough money if there wasn't like a white lead or we wouldn't make enough money with like a black led film frankly it's just not true you know like So many movies recently have shown that there is a push for that, that there is that audience, Black Panther, you know what I mean? Like, there's been so many films in the recent years that show that that audience will come out, you just have to make the movies for them, you know? And I just like, I I don't know why they don't get that. (laughs) Like,
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And they always use that as an excuse. They always say, you know, it's an economic proposition, because they're like, okay, If they do a movie, it's like, is it going to do well in China or other countries? Mm -hmm. Because other countries are more conservative. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of like, well, why are you so concerned about losing money when you literally rob people of money every day when you're not paying your actors, your, you know, like actors of color, the same amount of money as their white counterparts, when you're Mm -hmm. not paying you know, women, the same amount of money as their male counterparts. Like, you really want to make this about money? Yeah.
1: for Like, real.
0: I don't know. And it's just like, if you're really going to say, Oh, it's an economic excuse. It's like, okay, but is it really? Because if you keep using that economic excuse, you're just going to continue to perpetuate the system, mm-hmm. you know, the system of racial bias, the system that keeps people of color out that the system that keeps, you know, gay people and trans people out. I mean, it it just doesn't, Makes sense like you cannot keep complaining about an issue when you have the ability to solve it yourself
1: exactly because yeah. then
0: it's just like the inder- the industry is just playing the victim card and it's yeah, like it's no ignorant. You, right like you can you can fix this it's just a matter of whether you want to fix this
1: and i think too like we've seen just from like The perspective of people that aren't in these positions of power like just on social media just in conversation like people want representation they want diversity in films and i you know i just hope that like we have we have seen some upward mobility of that we have seen a little bit more of a push i just want it to be i want everything going on in our social climate right now to just really continue to push that forward but like full force full throttle like you know not every film needs to be white led not every film right. should be white-led. Like, I just yes. I don't know. And I'm a white person saying that. Like, we, we don't need to be in every film. I'm sorry, but right. we don't. Like, I don't need to be in every movie.
0: And that's coming from Alexis. Doll.
1: I'm like as white as they get. Like,
0: right, I don't want to exactly. curse in your
1: podcast. I almost said the word. My apologies.
0: <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, I just really, it's really important. And I really do hope that this time, particularly, and history when it comes to you know the criminal justice system and everything that's Mm -hmm. happening i mean i just really hope that this can push and continue that narrative of challenging the system because it's just like it just doesn't benefit it doesn't Doesn't work it It
1: truly does not work that it's just rooted in so much racist history from every from every aspect like any angle you look at american society like you know, look at healthcare, look at our economic system, look at the entertainment industry. Like it's just all rooted in these things. And it just, I mean, it really needs to change.
0: And it has to be a conscious effort. Like Mm -hmm. you really have to go out and say, no, I want a gay Asian, like trans person to play this. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you have to make that conscious effort. Like you can't lump everybody together. And I mean, yeah it's just it's really really just really important and i really hope that people just continue like fighting for equality and i don't know
1: yeah
0: okay so (laughs) i'm
1: like just over here thinking like hmm i hope that like CEOs of major media corporations listen to this.
0: Like honestly, I mean, uh, I highly doubt it, but you know, never know.
1: Never say never. Never say never.
0: (laughs) Um, is there a role that you want to play?
1: Um, oh my gosh, I feel like like a
0: dream role.
1: Yeah, we've like kind of talked about it before. I've like. I definitely, there's people whose careers I admire, like the kind of work they do. Um, I liked a lot of like Reese Witherspoon's work when she was younger and like rom-coms where she's like, you know, kind of like the young female ingenue, like quirky, like romantic lead. Like I love roles like that. And I definitely um, would like to get into like more romantic comedy, like romantic films. Um, but Oh my God, as-
0: Alexis, we are literally the same. Are we the same person? No, like we literally are the same. I just want to be in all of the gay rom-coms. Oh like I God. don't care.
1: I want to be like your best friend in all the gay
0: rom-coms. Oh my God. You know what? will be funny. We would literally be flipping the narrative of like the gay best friend, you know? So yeah. I would be the lead and then you would be my best friend.
1: The gay lead and the straight best friend. I'm good with that. Cool. Works for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah, but me. <laughs> No, actually though, I genuinely just want to be in gay rom-coms. Like, I don't think people understand after watching Love Simon, I was like, "Oh, like maybe I can do this." You, you definitely
1: know what I mean? can do it. What's like um, your what's your like dream role? Like do you have a specific one? Cuz I feel like I don't have a specific one.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely want to be in gay rom-coms, but I mean, if the amazon film executives are listening
1: hello um
0: there is a role that is being developed at your studio it's called red white and royal blue that's the name of the film Ooh, okay and there is a role in there his name is alex cortez diaz and he is the first son like in the movie he's going to be the first son of of the united states and okay it's like a cute little rom-com about the first son of the United States and the prince from the royal family and like they fall in love and I'm like, oh my God. That's so
1: cute.
0: It's such a cute story. And honestly, what I love about that particular character is that his character is a fully fleshed out human being. Mm -hmm. Like I find that in a lot of like gay films or some gay books, everything literally revolves around them Coming to terms with their sexuality, which you know, that's fine, and it's definitely a fair story, and it's something that a lot of people can relate to. But what I love about this particular character is that his personality is so fleshed out, and like it's also just so me, you know? Yeah, um, oh my god, you mean
1: he's a human being, and him being gay, like, is just no, one
0: person, <laughs> the whole story isn't like predicated on, oh, like blah, blah, blah. I have to hide the fact that I'm gay. Like, I love that his personality is so fleshed out because I see, I always feel like that's something that's lacking in a lot of the gay films. Oh,
1: definitely. Um, yeah.
0: And it's also just a story just about change and, you know, basically everything that we talked about, about challenging a system that usually doesn't work for everybody and uh, really advocating for that change um, and hopefully a new future.
1: Oh, I love that. Okay, you know, on execs who are listening to this, um, please cast my friend Kevin. Thank you.
0: Oh my God, please. Please do. And then cast Alexis. Uh, <laughs> um, I think there is a role in there for you, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't read the book in a while. I'll
1: just be um, an extra so I can be on set with you one day.
0: Oh my God, no. We have to have scenes together.
1: Oh, how, I love acting together. I love whenever we do like our open calls together.
0: Oh my god, I know. Those are so much fun. Alexis, thank you so much for joining me. I had so much fun talking to you. Oh my
1: gosh, of um, course. I had so much fun too. This is so I just love this.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm so glad and uh, you will be back soon.
1: I will be back soon. All right. Okay. Thank <laughs> Bye. you.